Welcome to another episode of the Front End Happy Hour Podcast. In today's episode, we have a guest that I'm not really sure if we even need to introduce at this point, but we are really fortunate to have Shirley Wu join us again. I'm really excited about our topic today. We will be talking about imposter syndrome. We have discussed it on, I believe it was back on like episode 32, so a really, really long time ago. And it's one of those topics that a lot of people have asked us to continue to talk about. So we're going to do it again, and I'm sure there's a lot of new information to discuss. Shirley, can you give uh, our listeners, you know, even though they probably already know you, but we're always getting new listeners all the time, uh, maybe give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and of course, what is your favorite happy hour beverage? Hi, thanks so much for the introduction, Ryan. And hello, my name is Shirley. Uh, I'm a, uh, the latest title I've decided to give myself is independent data visualization designer and developer because that really rolls off the tongue. But <laughs> it's a mouthful. I know. And it's really just because uh, I'm self-employed um, and I work, so which means I just I like always have a hard time when people are like, what's your title? And I'm like, I have no idea. I make it up. Um, but essentially <laughs> what it means is uh, I get to work with a bunch of different clients, uh, usually in the tech or media or journalism spaces. And I help them make sense of their t data and tell visual stories with their data. So uh, this is, I don't even know what fifth sixth time um and i'm super happy to be back because uh i just want to hang out with all these lovely people oh and Aww. drink with y'all even if it's virtually heart um, and uh yeah really excited to be here and my favorite happy hour beverage as always is still whiskey Nice. Any are you feeling any new whiskeys over quarantine? Actually uh, I'm trying not to drink hard liquor right now <laughs> because I feel like it's really dangerous because I feel like before when I drink hard liquor with like friends and stuff, at least like I had to be limited in some amounts by, you know, the fact that I have to get home. But like now <laughs> there's like no such limitation. And I'm like, my, my, uh, yeah, I have a really unfortunate personality in the whole like go big, go or go home kind, except I'm already home. So I just go big. <laughs> <laughs> like in no reason whatsoever <laughs> so we're trying to stick to beer and wine all right that's fair <laughs> let's also go around the virtual table and give introductions of today's panelists uh jem young senior software engineer at netflix uh augustus yoon software engineer at twitch uh mars julian i'm a senior front end engineer at a company in the Bay Area. <laughs> it almost slipped. <laughs> and all, all thoughts are my own. <laughs> it almost slipped. <laughs> Stacy London. I'm a senior front end engineer at Atlassian, and all my thoughts are Mars's. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Amazing. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we love to choose a keyword that, if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Confidence. Confidence. I'm sure this word will come up just a couple times, I'm sure, and we will all be taking our drinks. Uh, let's hop into the episode. What does imposter syndrome mean? I feel like we have discussed this in the previous episode, but we need a baseline. What does it mean to all of you? There's like professional descriptions of it, right? So there's like 
the idea that you doubt your accomplishments or your capabilities, despite no external evidence of such thing. Like you might be a very um, highly regarded, competent person that people, if they, if you asked other people, they would say you do excellent work and you're uh, smart and resourceful and all these kinds of things. And then, but internally, you're like, they're gonna find out. They're gonna find out. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, for me, it's feeling like I don't belong in the space that I am in. Yeah. Oh no, I was gonna say the exact same thing. Like, and and also kind of combining it with something Stacy said of like, and then that anxiety that someone's gonna find you out and you're gonna sort of like lose, you know, the job that you're at or or the respect of your peers is kind of it's really quite nerve wracking. Yeah, someone just coming to me one day and said, "Huh, I just realized." You're always on Stack Overflow. <laughs> <laughs> you call yourself an engineer? <laughs> Wait, that's the very definition. <laughs> like, like, you're fired. I can't believe. Like, I just had... I just pulled up your internet history and I saw that you were on CSS <laughs> tricks again looking up Flexbox. <laughs> you don't know how to vertically align? It's <laughs> Fire. Honestly, can I say that CSS intimidates me so much? Like after all these years of coding, CSS, I, yeah, it scares me and intimidates me. I think that makes a lot of sense though, because it's one of those languages that there's a lot of trickery. Mm. Like it's like you have to learn the things that are almost sometimes illogical. It's it actually, to be honest, it's gotten better over the years. But I think back earlier days, there's always like, oh, you you have that problem, you got to do this, this, and this, and it's like, why? Just because that that worked. I feel like those were like tricks that you just needed to know. Yeah. Hence, probably the name CSS, CSS tricks. tricks for the website. <laughs> Do you think like like we we talk about imposter syndrome a lot in in tech? I feel like. Do you think other industries talk about it as much as we do, or is it like localized to our? I think someone in tech came up with the the definition or or the term for it, but I I feel like. It's a normal behavior or feeling that likely happens in any industry. Pretty, They just don't call it that, I don't think. They're probably just saying lack of confidence. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. 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 But doesn't it happen in the, the world of higher education? Like oh. you are measured by the number of papers you get published a year. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're smart or not. It's just like that's the metric that you are determined your worth. So I, I think it does exists in other industries too. It's just not called imposter syndrome. I do wonder though, if it has something to do with our extreme, like tech's extreme obsession with like meritocracy of like whether you belong here or not because of like how well you do this thing. So we're all like, oh my God, I don't do this well enough. So I don't belong here. So I guess the only other industry I've like had a taste of was in finance. And that one, I don't, think any of us ever talked about imposter syndrome because we were just like yeah <laughs> money <laughs> banking <laughs> patagonia vets <laughs> and it's like you just have to be really confident <laughs> and cheers cheers but i think i felt the most imposter syndrome so uh i actually asked if i could talk about this because i'm the your first imposter syndrome episode was the one i like first listened to right before i came on for the first time and i think this oh, was wow. like summer 2017 so like in preparation for like coming on to the show i was like browsing through your past history and i was like oh 
like this episode on imposter and i remember i was like driving through like a canyon and i was just like yeah i agree with this and i was just like nodding along and that's why i've always wanted to um come back on and talk about this with you all because um i guess just a little bit of my background i studied business in university um and then i decided to take uh, some computer science classes for fun um, and then I realized I liked it so much more than uh, all my finance classes and so I did a CS minor and uh, nobody thought that I was going to be able to get a software engineering job uh, right after graduation uh, including me and my mom and basically anybody I told and <laughs> <laughs> um, because I had only had like three semesters of CS classes and like I think no internships which I think now people are like yeah that's not a big deal and I think it, it's never really been that big of a deal to have a degree or not but I think in college in that mindset where everybody around me was say, like you know had all these like CS big CS internships uh, I just thought I wasn't gonna be able to get it and then I was able to get a software engineering uh, offer my senior year um and then once I got into the company, I had such massive amounts of imposter syndrome, just like every single day being like, I don't belong here. Why did they hire me? Like, um, and actually at one point I was like, oh my God, I'm probably the diversity hire. Um, and my like manager is like, no, you're not. Uh, we hired you because we liked the combination of like your business degree with your CS minor. And I'm like, oh, but I still felt such extreme imposter syndrome. And that really was what like drove me to work super hard to kind of like do all these side projects and um, learn on my own. And I think within a year to two years, I felt pretty confident in, oh, <laughs> cheers. 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 <laughs> A great keyword. After two years, I felt pretty good about my technical skills. And I think my imposter syndrome really, um, really kind of subsided. Um, and I feel like listening to your first uh, recording of imposter syndrome really reminded me of that time when I was just starting out. Because I think it really is a lot of people feel it when they're just starting out in tech, especially if they don't have like a like super intense CS degree from somewhere. Um, but then uh, the reason why I wanted to come back was actually in the last few years, I've actually felt imposter syndrome again, like a crippling amount of imposter syndrome. And I wanted to come back and like talk about that and see like what opinions you might have. I love that a couple things you said there too is like, yes, usually shows up your first job. I don't think at the time I would have known what the term imposter syndrome even was at the time, but I definitely felt that. But then two, it does happen again. It's not like it's not something that only happens when you're new. It happens a lot. New jobs, often that will happen, but it could just be random times in, in your even current role that you're in. It can show up. And I love another term that you said there was crippling, because I think that's the thing is imposter syndrome can really hold you back and actually can be detrimental to like you actually performing well like you can perform well but if you let that imposter syndrome sneak up it will hold you back i think one thing is like this industry changes um i think we over exaggerate how fast it changes it, like we're there's like oh there's a new framework every five minutes and it's like it's not <laughs> it doesn't change that fast but it changes fast enough that like you know every couple of years maybe you have to kind of 
learn a new framework or learn a new way of approaching like front end development and building UIs and they some of the fundamentals and the baseline stay kind of consistent, but you are having to learn new stuff. And sometimes you see other people just like pick it up. Either it it's appears that they have picked it up very quickly or they're just always on top of the latest thing. And they're like, they seem like the superhuman person who can like absorb everything new coming at them from every direction. And they're just like masters um, at it. But usually that's not true, but sometimes it, you th- you see it that way and then you start to doubt yourself you're like oh i'm not keeping up on everything ah and like get overwhelmed by that i like this insight of um how our own imposter syndrome might be tied to our perception and perception of other people that you just made yeah like comparing yourself top one percent of people <laughs> it's like not healthy <laughs> i i also think uh uh, I think Shirley touched on this too. It's like it in in education, what you learn at school is so different from what you actually do in the real world. Like I just remember coming out of school thinking like, holy crap, I have to like go from building these like quick little programs to now like shipping large enterprise code, which by the way is like totally different from what you're taught in school. Like, Like I feel like schools still have this mindset of, computer science fundamentals understanding like oh the o of n like how does like this computation scale and then or or like oh you should reuse code as much as possible blah 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 and then and then when you get to the real world they're like oh actually you know we're running experiments and we actually are expecting to throw away this code so you know all that work you want to do to make it reusable that actually probably is a waste of time you know like like we're going to throw this away this code in like a few like in a few months you know if it doesn't work out or something so it's just like a very different you just come to this very different world and every that at least that's how I felt when coming out of school like I just felt like oh my god like I got this degree and it's like I'm just like so far behind everyone else it's more theoretical than it is mm-hmm. practical yes yeah that's a great way of putting it I was on a podcast earlier today and they were just asking about my history and like how I ended up at Netflix and all these other things. They said, uh, well, they asked me, they said, Jem, do you still feel imposter syndrome after all the things you've done? Do you still feel it? And I was like, absolutely. I, I won't say all the time. I, I feel it less now. I, I think working remotely actually has decreased my imposter syndrome a bit. I don't know why. I, I think just because everybody's output is altered because we're all in very different living search, uh, situations that you can't accurately measure that someone's quality as an engineer because, I don't know, maybe they take care of their grandmother and their three sick cats. You don't know what's going on. Uh, so at this point, it, it's unfair to measure anybody. So I actually feel it a little less these days. Interesting enough. I don't know if any of you feel that way or working remotely has changed your opinion of yourself. I don't know. I think it's brought up more concerns for me. I don't know. Maybe it's not like necessarily imposter syndrome, but like, yeah, there's been a couple things actually on previous episodes. We've talked about like hiring or onboarding new people. There's been times definitely having a new engineer on the team that I feel like I have not done my job well onboarding someone because it's like, I'm not really quite sure how to do that. It's, it's 
things are harder. And so I've doubted myself, even though on the other end, it really funny enough is like the one engineer that I did onboard during quarantine. He's like, yeah, it's been really great. There was my self doubt. I was like, I don't think I'm doing a good job here. So I think it's showing up, but I, I can see your point, Jem, where it's like, maybe it's just, it's less in your mind because it's like, it's changed the playing field a little bit more and everyone's work is at a different capacity and you're not all at work together doing just work. You're, you're doing like probably 10 other things at the same time. I know I've, I've felt it recently because I've like switched roles or teams and I'm working on something pretty different from what I had been doing for many years. So like I'm not building UIs right now. I'm working on uh, front end tooling. Um, so a lot of like node, um, some backend stuff that is a little bit more hardcore for me. Um, so I'm feeling it pretty hard right now for sure. Like I'm learning as I go and, but I'm also expected to deliver. So it's kind of this like <laughs> grimace emoji face all the time. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, I, I just love how we feel like we can talk about this. Cause I, I, totally know what you're feeling because i just transitioned well it's been a year now but transitioning from evernote which was a call on a completely different stack we use google cloud platform um and coming to twitch which is all aws and i do a lot more back end now like golang which i've never done before and there's just so much like expectation of like you know, like I, actually like a few episodes ago i i gave a pick to this aws aws in plain english pick and it's like literally like i just did not know what the heck people were talking about when they spit out these aws names like oh you know dynamo cloud formation <laughs> yeah like i'm just like what is that like what what is what are these words are and it's like you know with how great we are at naming things in tech you know it's like is that the project name is that like is that the service <laughs> name or is that an aws thing and all of our imposter syndrome is just because <laughs> of all of the different ways, nonsensical ways that people have chosen. We, we have chosen to name our software. <laughs> We've solved it. <laughs> the acronyms. Seriously, oh my God. the acronyms. Ugh. Even there's acronyms I know what they're defined as, but I can't remember what each word is that is in the acronym. Someone asks like, well, what's each letter? I'm like, uh, I, I don't really remember, but I'm able to describe what it is. To that point, to this day, I still feel like imposter syndrome whenever somebody like uses a fancy coding term and I'm like, I have no idea what that means. And then they describe what it means. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I know. I know that. One. But like, I, I don't know if it's just like the lack of I, I don't even, I don't think I can even blame it on like the lack of like a full CS education. I think it's just like there's just so much going on in front end. And then uh, if I, you know, don't try to take uh, workshops or try and like read up on material um or even the fact that as a freelancer for the last four years, I have not had any technical mentorship. And so for me to try and grow technically, I have to either go out and seek it myself or um, actually the way that I really enjoyed doing it was uh, I stream on Twitch now. I live code on Twitch and then I'll ask people. I'll be like, <laughs> yes, Augustus. 
<laughs> what, what an excellent... <laughs> what a great <laughs> product. <laughs> really enjoy it. Um, and then I started doing it because uh, there was no upcat. Um, she had a really great uh, blog post about multi wait massively multi multiplayer online pair programming um and then that's how i've learned like new like es6 features or whatever the newest versions of es6 or es whatever is like that's how i'm learning it but um wow that was quite a tangent all i meant to say is um i oftentimes do not know the official terms of concepts and then when people describe it i'm like oh yeah i know what that is but that also adds to my imposter syndrome because I'm like, I should know this. The best leaders that I've seen are the ones that are not afraid to ask questions. Someone will be like, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I see this at work and there'll be a director who's like, hey, sorry, what does that mean? And like when you see people doing it and people you respect doing it, you're like, oh, yeah, it's not that big a deal. It's totally in your head. And if you don't know something, ask a question because there's. It's so it's such a common saying, but it's true. If you don't know something, there's probably someone else in the room that also doesn't know it. So like if you ask, you're helping them as well. And that is almost always true. It happens all the time. Yeah. There's someone like especially a new employee, like someone who's new to the company asks a question. I guarantee there's like at least two people in that room that were like, "Ooh, I didn't know that either. <laughs> I just was nodding along. The best leaders ask questions even when they know the answer. Because they know that other people probably don't know. And especially when there's new people in the room. Ryan, I've seen you do this with new people. You'd be like, hey, you said, uh, I don't know, GPE. What does that sound for? And you know what that means. But you know that there's three new people in the room who don't know. And they they don't have the confidence to ask. So someone will explain that. You're like, okay, thank you. When, like, that's a sign of great leadership. Like, just thinking of other people and forgetting your ego. And, yeah, it, it's something I really respect in people. Oh, I think that's a really great... Uh... I want to ask that question then of um, what do you think managers and leadership, other than like what you just said, like what can um, leadership do in terms of like imposter syndrome? Like even something that I sometimes feel like I need and I'd love to hear other people's thoughts. And I think this is one that I've always felt positive reinforcement goes a long way is like there's the reinforcement of knowing, oh, I am doing the right things is really helpful. It's great to get constructive feedback, though, too, is knowing, oh, hey, this is how I can improve. But if I'm only hearing constructive feedback, guess what? I think I'm doing a terrible job. But knowing, like, oh, keep doing what you're doing here. This is so good. And being reminded that you're doing the right things, that, to me, really relieves me of that pressure. Yeah, kind of to tack onto that, like not just the positive reinforcement looking forward, but like something that helped me recently in a one-on-one -on -one with my manager was like reminding me how far I've come because mm. imposter syndrome has a lot to do with like comparing yourself to, I don't know, someone who's an expert in, you know, area A and forgetting that you might be an expert in area B um, and also like just being able to like ask those questions and even though you started from somewhere that was like very rudimentary like even on it like this was in respect to a new project and then realizing that like the technical skills and foundation like all of the stuff that i'd built over the past month i was completely not i was like overlooking it you're like oh there's still so much to learn but i you have to remember also like how much you have learned already yeah i like that it's really good i actually um to your point of remembering how much you've learned versus how much there more there is to learn um i actually think that uh that's how this 
this kind of like second big wave of imposter syndrome that I've been feeling. I think it started a few years ago, maybe like three year, two or three years ago. Um, and I didn't expect it. It kind of like came out of nowhere. But I think it came out of the at the core. I think where it came out of is knowing how much further I need to go. So what I mean by that is kind of kind of to Mars point of like concentrating so much on what I don't know. Um, and I guess what I mean by that is like and when I was first starting and I think the reason why I was able to get the confidence in. Oh, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> cheers. It's been a while. Yeah, I think at my first job. Uh, and this is, I guess, to the point of what Mars, you said about what your manager did. And I, I don't think every manager can do this because um, what my manager did for me to boost my confidence. I don't know if he was, dang it. Okay, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> cheers. I don't know if he did this intentionally or not, but he kind of um, gave me a project that eventually made me a quote unquote expert internally, which is that he asked if I wanted to learn D3, which was at the time like extremely new. It was only a year in um, and nobody else in the company had really kind of like, you know, spent the time and effort on D3. So then in like half a year or a year after I started learning it, I became quote unquote like the internal expert on D3. Not that I was like that great at it, but like comparatively to everybody else, I was, and I think that really helped my confidence of being like, oh, there's something that I, um, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Yeah, that I was good at. Um, and so I think that uh, really helped carry me for a good few years of um, just being skilled at something that was quite niche. Um, and then when I quit to go freelancing, um, suddenly I realized that uh, it wasn't quite enough uh, to be able to just code with D3. Like if I was trying to take on data visualization projects for my clients, most of the times I was the only person that they were hiring for the data visualization. And most of the times they would come to me with like the data set and be like, can you do something with it? And suddenly I realized that like I had to get better at like the data analysis, which I know nothing about. Like I was horrible with statistics back in college. Um, and I was like, I don't want to do stats ever again. But suddenly I had to. And um, I had to also teach myself like, information design which is like subtly different from web design um and there was like all these new things of um and then i just felt again kind of like the crippling imposter syndrome but this one this time it was mixed with i shouldn't be feeling this because like you know i've i'm i'm now more established i know what i'm doing like why am i feeling imposter syndrome but every time somebody was like oh surely you're so good at what you do I'm like no I'm not I'm actually not <laughs> I, I don't actually know what I'm doing and you're gonna see through me uh, and and that's a uh, that's my my second round of imposter syndrome <laughs> so when you all face this how do you deal with it so Shirley you recognized it there you're like you know I'm going through this imposter syndrome right now what are ways that you could or have dealt with? For me, I desperately tried to educate myself. <laughs> so I like spent the last, uh, as soon as I realized, I spent years kind of being like, oh, these are um, the things, these are the areas I'm lacking and I'm going to read all the books. I'm going to like try and get as much experience in as possible. I'm going to do um, as much kind of um, 
uh, personal projects as I can to fill in this gap. Uh, and that's how I've always kind of gone about imposter syndrome. And there's something that in your first recording that has stuck with me to this day, which is um, that you said, which was impulsive syndrome is actually a really great thing if you can use it as your motivation to improve because it means that you know that you're lacking something and you and as long as you don't let that crippling like you don't let that stop you it's actually a really great motivation and um, I wholeheartedly agree with that and that's um and and I think I think in the last few months, in just the last few months, I think I'm starting to full, starting to come out of it again, where I feel like I've, you know, taught myself enough of the design and I'm starting to get better and I have figured out my process for like the data analysis part where I'm, I'm feeling confident again. I think I'm like finally over the hump of the second wave of imposter syndrome. <laughs> I think also another way too is like, cause that could be, that could hit that crippling moment where you're like, oh my goodness, I, I need to learn all the things. And you list off like 30 things, which is probably impossible, not impossible, but in a short time is absolutely impossible to learn all that. I think another thing too is stop for a second and reflect on all the things that you know well. Almost remind yourself of like, oh yeah, no, I've got X, Y, and Z. I'm crushing that. It's, you know, the letter A that I need to kind of maybe go spend a little bit more time on. And so I think like just honestly, it sounds cheesy, but like reflect and go, what am I good at? Yeah, that's a really good point. You, you mentioned stats, surely. So one of the things that I'm having to do right now is uh, something like this, like do some like pretty hardcore data analysis with like uh, confidence intervals and standard deviations and all this stuff that like. I took a stats class. Data scientists do? Yeah, exactly. There, there is a reason this is a profession. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, imposter syndrome, like happening hard with that because I'm like having to try and get your head around those things, but do it well enough so that you can like create meaningful visualization stuff. And one thing I think maybe that can help other people if you're like put in that position where they're like, maybe you're being asked to do something that you're like, wait a minute, there's like data scientists. People do this as like their entire job. You could at least, if you have enough comfort to like try and push back a little bit, like to, you know, talk to your manager or somebody to say, Hey, actually it would be great to get some help on this. Like, can we reach out to the day? If your if your company is lucky enough to have a data scientist or a team of that, can we reach out to them and get their consultation to help with this um, so that you don't feel like you have to master something that takes years to be really, you know, excellent at. So asking for help, I guess. I want to ask this question, which I think is the opposite of what Jem was saying about like a director feeling confident about asking questions. And then a little bit of what Stacey touched on too, which is um, I know that when I'm the new person or when I don't know anything, like I just feel so insecure asking a question and so um how would you go about that like if you're absolutely new in the company or you're absolutely new to the field it's funny though Shirley it's like you said like you're like I can ask that question because I feel more established I you know I have these proven things and it's like Augusta saying like 
I, you know, he's coming from like a lot of JavaScript and he's like, I'm learning Go and I've got to ask some questions around Go because that's not a language I'm familiar with. Think about it as more, and this is kind of, I don't know if it's the best answer, but it's like, you almost just need to get over the fact that, you know, you just need to ask the questions. Cause like if all of us here, if you had someone that was right out of school and you're working with them and they asked you a quote unquote simple question do you actually judge them for asking it? I personally don't. I'm like, cool. I'm happy to help and answer that. I feel happy to help. Like I'm actually feel good about myself that I'm like, oh, cool. I can help you there. I'm not judging them. And so I think like a lot of it is just ask the question. It's really hard. I get it. Get over it. Because the longer it goes on, when you ask the question a month later, it's worse. It's like, just ask it. (laughs) And hopefully like it should be an organic thing too. You should... Hopefully you have maybe a mentor or a, a a buddy or you know someone assigned to you to like make it more comfortable to ask a question not in a big group like in a Slack channel with two hundred people in it. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I, so you mean don't at channel asking? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. At channel. Hi, I have a question. <laughs> um, and then and then like if that mentor. Hopefully you have a good mentor or a good buddy that is like kind and makes you feel comfortable and doesn't shame you for asking things. But then it should grow bigger. So like that'll start the trust. And then the bigger team, if they're also acting that way, then the trust grows. And then you're like, oh, I can ask the bigger team that I'm on. And then it can continue to keep growing as long as people like don't break that trust. Yeah, like super plus one to that, like. Uh, just having a new hire buddy when I came to Twitch, having a new hire buddy to ask questions privately made me feel a lot more comfortable. And of course, like when I when I became the new hire buddy for a new hire, you know, I, I like you could totally relate to how they feel. Right. Uh, I, I also want to say that one thing I really appreciate that I, I only recently realized Twitch does is uh, like they have office hours, like certain teams have office hours that you can go to. It's like every week. They just go into this Google Meet or something, and you can just hop in and ask whatever whatever question you want. And like, especially for me who doesn't know anything about AWS, like I I go to the system in for office hours. I ask like, "Hi, this is probably a dumb question, but what is this?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, it's just here, right?" So, and it feels like I don't know. Like when you type in a channel, it just feels so much more formal. Like this is a question. Like, <laughs> and then everybody's like looking down, like. Hmm. <laughs> You know, like, so. I like that idea a lot. Shirley, I love your point. Uh, like, we we all work at fairly large tech companies and, or are, you know, the, the top-rated data visualization engineer in the world. So, like, we all have things we can fall back on. Like, we have some sort of confidence there. Uh, and we can't oh, go cheers. backwards. Oh, yeah. Cheers. That wasn't even delivered. But I think what we can do as senior people is create environments that are welcoming for other people and just like we ask questions let people know that they're free to ask questions and then we can just make things better for other people uh and i know that doesn't help if you're new and you're starting out and you're like well they've all been doing this for years and i don't have that experience i guess my only advice is find a place where it's okay to ask questions and if people kind of browbeat you or give you the side eye and be like that's a dumb question then it, it may not be the right place for you and I say that cavalierly, like it's easy to find a job, but if you can, that's a sign of a bad culture. If people don't ask a lot of questions and they're just like, okay, um, 
oh, the CEO just gave a big speech about something. Okay, nobody asked any questions. I, I love when people dissent. I encourage it. If I'm holding a meeting, I'm like, disagree with me because like that's how we get to the right idea. If I'm just bulldozing my opinion, which I can do very easily, then like we're not going to arrive at, at a, a well-balanced, uh, reasonable conclusion. So like, disagree with me. I purposely disagree with you all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does. It's true. <laughs> also, I think for like people who are maybe a little more senior, we're talking with a group here that are more senior and I think it's a good reminder is like empathy. Empathy is so important. We were all in that position. We were all day one, didn't know what the hell we were doing. And someone along the line took time and and answered our questions. And so it's like, it's a good reminder for all of us is answer those questions and don't make people feel like stupid for asking the question. Even offer, hey, you have any questions? Just ask. There's going to be tons of questions. Like I know when I started at this job, it was like, oh man, there were so many acronyms. There were so many like code names. There were so many different things that I was struggling with. I wish I asked those questions. Just make it feel more welcoming too. Like I think that to me is a good reminder for all of us is like, what can we do to help day one person feel better about it? Because it is hard. I love what all of you are saying about how uh, with imposter syndrome, it really is very much about like insecurity and how we feel about ourselves. So like what Stacy was saying about like fostering a place of trust and because it really is about trust. I love what you uh, um, I love what's being said right now. And, and to kind of take what you all been saying, um, I guess, as a beginner, and this is something that's hard to keep in mind when we're just beginning but um it's that cliche of we were all once beginners so um unless we're real assholes uh we're not going to be like (laughs) shaming you for the questions you ask for as a beginner so I, i think that's a really great reminder too to kind of add on to that like we definitely were all beginners once but we will also all be beginners again Mm. um Mm -hmm. and that's something that is that easily triggers imposter syndrome but it's it's also important to have that empathy because you're going to be in that situation where you're starting on a new project or you're moving to a different area of the stack that you don't understand um and then you're kind of you're you're in that position again so it's it's definitely something we have to remember that we're not, we're never done learning. And I think maybe that's why it seems like some people are done learning. They've accomplished all the things, um, but they're also not done learning. And, you know, no one talks about that, which is super interesting. No one is done learning. I also feel like that's a lot of the reasons why a lot of us are in front end because we're constantly learning and we love that challenge. So I guess we're also just constantly putting ourselves into (laughs) imposter syndrome. (laughs) I guess I am. I think it's interesting too. I wonder if it's unique to front end or if there's, it happens in other areas too, but it feels like front end, um, there's a lot going on in front end and a lot of the times none of it, none of it's really the paved road. So sometimes what you're seeing or you're seeing other people express is really an opinion and not necessarily a fact. Um, and so we're dealing a lot of times with a lot of opinions that come across as facts. And that can also lead to imposter syndrome of like, here's one opinion, here's another opinion. There seem like there are so many options. The world is so huge. Where do I even begin? Um, And that, I don't know, at least for me, really contributes to it. It's like you get paralyzed by all the options, forgetting where you've come from and that, you know, what you've really learned is better coping mechanisms for um, all that stuff. Uh, Even just like the frameworks, you know what I mean? Think about it. (laughs) It's like the, the front end frameworks that are out there 
it is fact. It's like React is best, Ember is best, uh, Vue is best, <laughs> Angular is best. Like seriously, depending on who you talk to, it's it's not an opinion. It's fact. This is the best framework, and you should use my framework it's because so of X, Y, and Z. Me. Like that's such <laughs> a weird claim to me. One thing before we jump into picks, I'm really curious because I think this comes up a lot in um, thoughts around imposter syndrome is social media. How does that help or actually hurt imposter syndrome for all of you? Oh my goodness, Ryan. I'm so glad you asked this question because I wanted to say something about this earlier, but I didn't know how to work it in. Um, and it was kind of piggybacking off of something Jem said, which was about like uh, directors setting examples about asking questions. And one of the things I feel about social media is like, the majority of examples that we see as software engineers about people just generally working in the industry can sometimes be on social media. And those are the loudest voices in the room. And what you don't see is all the like really accomplished software engineers who are perfectly good examples of people just, you know, doing their everyday work, asking lots of questions. You don't see those examples. Yes. So social media, again, is like really just a lot of people expressing their opinions in a world where we have no <laughs> paved. I'm going on a rant where we have no paved. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Yes. I got to breathe. <laughs> where we have no paved path forward and you don't see like the 90, it's like the tip of the iceberg, right? Like it's the 10% who are the loudest. And then there's the 90% underneath where it's like everyone is just as accomplished, always asking questions, making mistakes, doing all the things that you don't see that are, you know, just like what normal everyday people are doing. And those are the examples we really need to see, but that's really, that's not what that's not what we get exposed to most of the time. So to answer your question, Ryan, <laughs> no to social media. <laughs> or what we need, Mars, is more people being very open and honest on social media. Would that help? Okay, so I have another, <laughs> I have another <laughs> Yeah, Mars too. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that would be great if we could, you know. I think it goes back to things that we've been saying about, like, psychological safety at companies. And online is just not psychologically safe. Asking questions, being that example of someone who's always learning something new or starting at the beginning, no matter how much experience you have, there are so many people online who will take you take that and just rip it to shreds. And that's really a shame. You know what's unfortunate too, and I, this is something I see often on social media that surely you alluded to something too, being like, hey, am I the diversity hire? I see on social media too that I can say pretty much, you know, I'll still get shit on for, on Twitter, but a woman says something that's like different viewpoint or something like that. And it, the tweets and stuff on top of that, I'm just like, whoa, it is a very horrible place. And so, you know, I think we need to be able to share different opinions. We don't all have to agree with them. But we also don't need to shit on each other yeah. for it. And and for some reason, it's so unfortunate to see a woman gets gets it way worse. Like it's like you, you share your opinion and then it, this is not, I don't know, it's really bad. I don't know where my rant is going. <laughs> Surely brings up a rant to everybody. <laughs> I just incite people. Um, I'm just frustrated, you know, like I'm definitely frustrated. So I definitely see that. And I think, I, I don't know if I'm just like blissfully unaware when someone insults me or, um, but I don't think I get as much of the vitriol. Um, and I always wonder if that's because I've made it a point to live code in my talks. Um, 
because I've heard of stories of, you know, women speakers sharing their demos or, you know, showing their projects and then having people question if that was actually their code. And so I've made it like my a point to live code so nobody can doubt that like I wrote that code. And so and I also like Twitch stream coding so that nobody can doubt if I wrote that code. Um, and so I don't know if it's because of that, that like, I don't get as much of, uh, but you shouldn't have to do that. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. This is just proving your point. Actually. <laughs> I just remember, uh, social media is people's highlight reel. It is not their day to day. It's not their real life. And I'm yeah. like, cool. Good for you. Uh, as, <laughs> as people have pointed out, the best engineers who are down coding are not busy posting it on social media. Uh, and just and on top of that, there are people that are paid to post on social media. They are dev developer relations. It's their job to build things and post on social media. So like, don't don't get hung up on it. I you know just do your thing, do your thing, and you will you will be fine. And also, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, Gem, like no man is an island. Like what you see on social media also may be attributed to one person and it's their responsibility to promote something, but there has to be a whole team behind them. Like, you know, going back to imposter syndrome, like everyone is asking questions all the time and there's someone who is there to support along the way. Um, and so it's hard to see like, you know, that highlight reel without any of the context behind it. Do any of you feel imposter syndrome sitting, talking on a podcast ever? <laughs> <laughs> no like some i don't know if it's imposter syndrome but for sure like sometimes i worry i'm like i'll like oh that's gonna go out into the world it's gonna be on record forever and you know it, like you, you think about that stuff and what that means and and who's gonna hear it and who's gonna respond or will someone get mean about it or you know all of that stuff kind of swirls and swirls in your head a little bit I don't know if it's not necessarily imposter syndrome, but more like, who am I to make these bold statements? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I I think uh, for me, I also think a lot about um, because as a woman in tech in Silicon Valley, like I think there's more tendency, or there's oftentimes a lot of tendency for people to be to pick how we say things and how we come across. I've certainly been called names for um, for expressing strong opinions and standing by them um, and not backing down. Um, and so I think that has made me uh, very careful with what I say, um, but that's not necessarily imposter syndrome. We're now getting into a new topic territory. <laughs> Which, you know, it's a good time to jump into picks. Yeah. We can definitely go down that road. You know, in each episode of the Front and Happier podcast, we always like to end with sharing some interesting things that we found wanting to share with all of you. Stacy, what do you have for us? All right. Uh, three, three music picks today. Um, First one is a song called What They Do Is Not Art by an artist called Cloud Kicker. I've picked one of his songs, I think, quite a while back. He is uh, one person does it all, so plays all the instruments um, and mixes it all together. And it's like a post-rock, post-metal genre, and it's instrumental. There's no vocals. Um, 
it's the first this is that song's off the first new album that he's had in a while so um and it's a lot heavier than some of his older stuff so it's i like it um thought it was good and then uh the second one is ash tabula i don't know if i said that right but that's another song off that same album which i think is really good um so if you're feeling a little frustrated by maybe waves at everything uh, in the world right now, maybe some uh, some instrumental metal might might be a good release. Um, and then the third one is uh, Answer My Prayer by Eschaton, which is a mix of ancient methods and Orphix. It's a hard techno, pretty bass heavy, um, hard edge industrial palette, saturated noisy hardware, <laughs> thundering steel sounds are some words that have described Wow, I love it. <laughs> That's it. Stacey, so you're, you're like a, a sommelier for for music. <laughs> I'm like, what does this song feel like? You're like, it's like a light, gentle breeze in the summertime blowing across your face. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like the right track for me. To be, for the record, I'm always pulling these off of like other other people have written these descriptions. Don't tell <laughs> us that. Just take credit. It's fine. It's good. It's the internet. <laughs> we take credit for everything. <laughs> Mars, what do you have for us? Oh my gosh, I always come woefully unprepared with picks, like every time. Whenever you say picks halfway through the episode, I'm like Googling, like what was what is interesting recently? <laughs> um, so I'm only gonna go with one today just because my brain's not functioning anymore. But that is gonna be the great British bake off, which is the new season is coming back to Netflix. Um, this what the twenty fifth is Saturday? Yeah, no, tomorrow. It's coming tomorrow. And um, given the whole situation, I need good vibes only. So <laughs> I need lots of British bakers being so competitive and nice with each other and just like colorful frosting in my life. Yes. So that's my pick. Mars, have you seen the great Canadian Bake Off yet? No. Oh, I don't know. It's... <laughs> that exists? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing, but it's Canadian. So it's also friendly. Wait. Are they even nicer? <laughs> They have maple bacon. They, they you know, what? Yeah, one of the episodes is like maple flavored, of course. And it's hosted uh, one of the, what's the guy from Schitt's Creek? David, Dan Lovett. Yeah, he's one of the hosts for the show. And it's pretty, pretty delightful. He's awesome. Yeah. So if you need some oh, great okay. British or great baking show fix, Canadian. the Canadian one is almost as good. Augustus, what do you have? Ooh, yes. I have two picks. Uh, speaking of social media. Uh, my first pick is The Social Dilemma on Netflix. I uh, finally got a chance to watch that. Um, yeah, it's uh, make really makes you think of like what impact you know tech has on the world and uh, you know like ethics of like what the choices we do when we're building software. So uh, I definitely think it's worth checking out. Can I ask? Can I ask a question on that one? I didn't get through it. I like started it. And I was really disappointed. All I saw was a bunch of white men, maybe like one woman speaking. And so like, did I, it get better I later? That. I, I also think there were some cringe moments, but I think, I don't know. I, I like to think of it as like focusing on the message it's trying to send. There was a good message there. I think there. also it's it fair. starts out with a lot of stuff we've heard before. And then when you get like at least halfway through, it starts getting more and more nuanced. And then you're like, oh, yeah. no. Yes. Um, okay. So it starts off with stuff I feel like people in the tech industry know already. Yeah. And then it, it, it kind of gets into like what's really dangerous about what's going on. 
All right, I need to go back then. Uh, that's why I was asking. I was like, should I go? Like, I didn't. Finish, it was not so diverse I go for sure, and, and there are plenty of people think that like. I think Mozilla actually posted a really nice Twitter thread on it, highlighting people in the industry who have been trying to raise these issues many, many, for many, many years. And they're like, you know, uh, from more diverse perspectives. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll share that uh, in the, as, as another pick. Sorry, I guess you had pick yes, number two. My second pick is Rocket League, but uh, recent, uh, it's a video game. Um, and, uh, a really big announcement happened. It's gone free to play, so anybody can play now. So, uh, yeah, y'all should play. Uh, it was it was a very small game. It started dying, and then like a few, actually a few hours ago, it hit a million players. Uh, so it's very exciting for. So yeah, you should definitely play. Rocket League triggers my imposter syndrome. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so hard. That, that game is so hard, and you see people like online doing these things i'm like you can even do that yeah yeah (laughs) no it's fine (laughs) what do you got uh i have two picks um the first one i swear i shared before but i can't find a reference to it so i guess i didn't i i would have thought i would have it is uh the notorious xx so it is the xx mashed up against notorious big and it is just a phenomenal mashup like this is the stuff the internet is made to to do. It, it's a few years old now because even the XX isn't that big anymore. But it's so good. It just goes together well. I, I am such a big fan of uh, hip hop uh, mashups and collaborations. Like if you have any, send them to me on Twitter because I just love hearing all of them. Because I like hip hop and rap is the most popular genre in the world, and like hearing them mix with other genres is just so incredible. It, it's one of my favorite things. Uh, for my second pick, it's the Valley Silicon pick. It is the part of the show where I pick things that are just so ridiculous and so expensive that they shouldn't exist other than the fact that we all get paid too much money. You know, I go on rants. <laughs> you know, you know, I go on rants all the time about my exercise bike. Uh, you know, this, this Nordic track, you know, it's $2,000, which is the price of a car or a moped and it's a bike and it has so many issues and I, you know. I'm generally dissatisfied with it, but I don't have a choice because we're all locked down. The gyms are closed. Uh, so I found an even better bike. This one is called the Fury Pista. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. And it is handcrafted, made out of wood and acrylic. It's more of an art piece, really. Uh, but the privilege of having this exercise bike, you know, I was complaining about mine, which costs about $2,000, or a Peloton, which costs about $2,000. This one can be yours for a measly $16,000. That, that's oh, it. Wow. But, I mean, think of it more like a piece Wait of a art second. that you can exercise on. No, 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 no. This is a piece of wood with an <laughs> iPad on it. That is what it is. I will build you this for $5,000. It does not come with the iPad. That that is um, what it's pretty insulting. Yeah, it doesn't have right, even have right. a screen. I I will I will build you all any listener that wants one. I will build it for five thousand, and I will include an iPad. Oh. Might be a mini, oh. but I will include the iPad, and it may not work, but it, it'll it'll be wood. I don't even know who would buy this because like, I mean, it looks cool. It looks I'm cool, but it looks cool. I don't know, man. Like maybe I don't hang with the millionaire billionaire crowd. That's like, oh, it doesn't even look sturdy, though. No, like, yeah. Anyways, uh, we will post a link in the show notes. Shirley, what do you have for us? (laughs) 
I can't. I know it's hard to follow that. <laughs> it's not even all wood. It's got like acrylic. <laughs> it's not even good looking to me. Like, honestly, it's not that good looking. Okay, so uh, I originally had two, and in the span of everybody else's pick, it's bloated up to four. Um, wow, <laughs> I love it. I'm just like, you know, I have to I have to take advantage of the fact that I don't come on that often. Um, so then I have to just like take full advantage of when I am on. Um, so the very first one that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to share is uh, there's been a lot going on in the world. Um, <laughs> Just a little. Just a little bit. Um, and uh, it can get really overwhelming and make me feel powerless. Um, and so there's been a newsletter that I've been subscribed to called One Anti-Racist Action a Day. And the URL, I think, is oneaction.today. And uh, it is just every single day, um, just like one paragraph of, you know, something that's happened uh, and something, some small action that I can take. Um, and it's really nice because when I'm like reading all the news and everything that's happening, I'm just like, oh, I can't do anything. But like, this just like helps me kind of break it down like step by step. Like every day I'm just doing one small little thing. And it's just been kind of really helpful to help me feel sane in this time and also kind of keep up to date with what's happening. Um, so that's my first pick. The second one is also related um, and it's quite serious, uh, which is uh, this PBS documentary called Asian Americans. Um, and this one is more like a very personal thing, which is um, I'm Chinese American uh, and I've been here for like 20 years. Um, I went through the American education system, which means that I learned a lot about uh, Western history. I know a lot about American history, European history. And I always thought uh, in high school that that was really unfair, that I didn't know about my own. Well, back then I was Chinese. I didn't have citizenship yet. So I felt like it was really unfair that I like did not know my own culture's history. So I taught myself a lot of Chinese history throughout school. Um, and so I know a lot about Chinese history. And what I never realized was actually the most important and relatable for me is Asian American, like Chinese American and Asian American history, because I never felt like I could relate to either histories. Um, and I didn't even realize that Asian American history was a thing until like the last few years. I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, it's been like, you know, the last few years has been a lot of self-discovery of like, oh, this is the one that I relate to the most. Um, and this PBS documentary has been really helpful for me to just kind of like learn our history being here and all of the things that's you know happened and all of the reasons why uh, we as Asian Americans experience things as we do currently um, and I had a friend I think put it really eloquently of kind of that weird dichotomy of being both an oppressor and an oppressee and I think the PBS documentary has been like kind of really helpful in helping me give like give me context. So those are my two more serious ones, and my two more lighthearted ones are. Um, I just remembered uh, because of Jem's pick of a uh, <laughs> wooden <laughs> acrylic bike in <laughs> 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 his comment about. <laughs> Uh, exercising during this time when quarantine first happened uh, I 
couldn't exercise for like three months because we didn't go outside. Um, and what's actually been really helpful in the last three months is that uh, my husband bought uh, Ring Fit on Nintendo. It is a, um, it's essentially an RPG exercise game that I never thought I would get into because it sounds so gimmicky and silly, but actually it's, as someone that doesn't like exercise and does not play games, um, I have been extremely regular for the last three months because um, apparently the gamification really works. <laughs> um, and so the premise of it is um, that you get kind of these two external devices um, and to be able to progress in the game um, and like, for example, to like run through a level you literally run in place and for you to like fight monsters and progress um you have to do like various exercises and those exercises are like they have like you know dozens of different exercises that are like targeting your abs or your arms or your legs or your balance so unlike presumably the $16,000 bike, it's actually been uh, having really great effect on my like mental and physical health. So that was my third one. And my fourth one, final one, is um, a anime on Netflix called Great Pretender. The premise of it is a, a con man, a Japanese con man that thought he's a really great con man getting conned by a, another like even more master con man and then like kind of like getting like swooped into this con man's con. And I didn't think that I was gonna like it, but it's so good. Currently there's one season and there's a second season coming out sometime in like this month or next. Um, it's got beautiful jazz music, like super, um, yeah, like super, yeah, it's just really good jazz music, beautiful art, um, really kind of like pop uh, color art sort of. Um, so highly, like enjoyed it much more than I thought I would really recommend. Yeah, great story writing too. Great character development. And it's by the uh, creators of Attack on Titan and my oh. personal favorite anime, which is FLCL. So, and I, oh. and I love a good heist movie. So like, this is absolutely on my list already. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited. Yeah, it's super good. Highly recommend. I have two picks. They are both movies, but not on Netflix. They are both on Amazon Prime. One is Knives Out. It's something that had been recommended to me multiple times, and I just never really got around to watching it. And it was really, really good. It was just like, it's a mystery of the whodunit type. And, and there's amazing actors in it too so i highly recommend it it's like it's just a cool like story of of a murder that happens and like it's got its twist i think some of it felt a little bit predictable but i still really enjoyed it definitely recommend checking that one out and then oddly enough a documentary that is netflix versus the world it's a documentary about netflix it is very weird watching it on amazon prime <laughs> I don't know, you know, it kind of feels a little weird, but there is a documentary on Amazon Prime about Netflix. It was really interesting. They interview a lot of the early Netflix employees and really talk a lot about the history of Netflix, but also they interview a lot of people like executives from Blockbuster and they talk a lot about this, what was going on in the world back in when Netflix started and you know, what changed for Blockbuster. And so there was this little bit of battle between Netflix and Blockbuster. And, and it was really interesting. Like a lot of it to me was like, yeah, I knew that 
that happened, but it was really cool to see that. They even have like old commercials that each uh, company aired. And to me, that was really nostalgic. I was like, oh, I totally remember that. Uh, so it was, it was really cool to, to watch. But yes, a documentary about Netflix on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Super weird, uh, but definitely worth watching. Before we end the episode, I want to thank Shirley. Always a pleasure having you. Where can people get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, so my Twitter handle is at SXYWU. My portfolio website is at the same handle.com. Um, and then I've been live streaming my data visualization process on Twitch and archiving it on YouTube. And I'm trying to, I'm like still trying to figure out Instagram. Um, but Ooh. it is the same handle there. I'm trying to like figure out how to fit my data visualizations into Instagram. Yeah, interesting experimentation. Jeb might sign up now to go see that. How insulting would you be if I joined uh, Instagram to follow Shirley, but not you? <laughs> like you've been asking me for years now, years. I mean, I really don't care. I just think it's funny that you're so like against it. It's it's really funny, which I mean, it's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay. You don't need it. You're not missing out. Thank you all listen, for listening to today's episode. You can find us at frontendhappyhour.com. We actually are on Instagram at, I, think, I believe it's frontendhh. <laughs> and you can also follow us on Twitter at frontendhh. Any last words? Thank you for having me. Confidence. Confidence. Cheers. Confidence. Confidence. Cheers. Cheers.